welcome to 2017. The rubber has hit the road. Uh, I'm filming this back-to-back -back with a new mentoring update video about my mentorship program, uh, but you're not going to be seeing this video for a couple of weeks. This is actually my third attempt to film this particular subject, which is something that I've been asked to do for years because in the more intensive retreats that my beautiful Magdalene wife Loretta and I offer, uh, I talk pretty deeply and intimately and in, about my personal life and a lot of things that have sort of occurred uh, to me from childhood onward. And I let a lot of things out there that I haven't done publicly yet. And people say, well, you should put this out publicly to help others. And uh, anyone who's ever been through things like molestation, uh, different kinds of sexual abuse, uh, you're usually not thinking too much about how you can help others. Honestly, it's usually how do I even get through the process of filming. When I first started trying to film this video, it was last summer, mid-2016, around uh, late summer, and um, I uh, couldn't get through it. I just kind of kept breaking apart. I tried it again in September, I believe it was, uh, which is even more late summer. The first was more midsummer. Uh, and I went out into Pisgah National Forest outside of Asheville, North Carolina, deep in the mountains here where I live, where I've done several videos along with my wife. And um, I got through it. It was quite tumultuous. There was a lot of trauma involved. And when it, the filming was finally complete, um, I... Uh, on the way home, something uh, started occurring that um, I hadn't had happen in a long, long time. I started looking at this dimension of reality and thinking, you know, I don't know if I can do this anymore because that really stirred up some deep ancient wounds for me, things that I'm sure go before this lifetime and absolutely things that are there from my bloodline because we do inherit the bloodline of our ancestors. We inherit all of those different um, electromagnetic and psycho-spiritual experiences, be they what we would call positive or negative or tumultuous or joyous and ecstatic, that's all in our system. You don't come in with a completely clean slate as a child, regardless of what some people may think. Um, and everything just dumped out when I tried to do this video. Um, and I was actually driving home on uh, I-26 going back into Asheville, and first time in years, there was that thought, and this is, there's a deep vulnerability in me in, this, in me saying this, there was the thought that came up a few times uh, of just all you've got to do is just hook to the side, and there's a tree, and there's another tree. Um, w literally, the rubbers hit the road. All that stuff, all those cute new agey platitudes and all the change your thoughts, change your life stuff that we've been working with, of course, changing your thoughts doesn't change your life. It just changes the, your perception of this dream that you're in. But you're not what you're dreaming. You're not this. You aren't the Maya. You are not the divine play, the Leela. Um, you're what's watching. And what's watching is, is eternal and unchanging. That's not what your life is. Your life is, in the words of St. Francis, what you're looking for is what is looking. Uh, and I, I always have that great quote. It's actually an assemblage of quotes from Yogananda where he says to transfer our sense of identity from the pseudo-soul or ego back to that eternal nature uh, to become the ever-joyous witness of a stupendous cosmic drama. Well, much like going to see a, uh, a film, you often um, 
forget that you're watching a movie. And we're pretty deep in this right now. All that stuff that we haven't processed and all the cute, you know, shiny teeth, positive, 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 which is very masculine, masculine, masculine. Uh, all these cute platitudes, uh, you know, you're here for a reason. Of course you are, but that's what I would say as a platitude. Um, neat little things like um, talking a little too deep, too much about sacred contracts, thinking that um, everything that's happening has all been completely preplanned. Uh, there's no present moment, you know, it's kind of an odd thing there. Um, but it literally looks like the world's falling apart right now on a lot of levels. I've never seen, and I've said this in several local videos, I've never seen such a wide dichotomy, such a wide Y divergence for humanity. And um, there's choices in how we can process these kinds of things. I mean, are we falling apart or is this rebirth? We are literally, we, each of us, are the Lamb of God. We're the sacrificial Lamb. It has absolutely nothing to do with theology. It has absolutely nothing to do with religion. It was there long before uh, Christianity ever grabbed that notion. Uh, and we all have this personal resurrection or at atonement or at one this return to authenticity that we never really left except in the dream. And that whole idea of on earth as it is in heaven is that we're bringing through from the eternal level, from the unseen heavenly realms, and birthing that consciously in the present moment through presence into this dimension of the dream rather than coming from just the things that we think or feel. Uh, because the things that you think or feel are based on things that aren't true, that aren't even real. Even your thoughts are illusions. It's not real. You are not what you think. You're that which sees. This is really important because you've been sold that untrue bill of goods for a while now, okay, that your thinking somehow defines who you are, but it has nothing to do with who you are. It's nothing but a complete hallucination of the psyche, of the soul, of the mind. Um, so uh, it just seems like we're all at each other's throats in a lot of ways right now, whether we seek to be that or not. And I see a lot of people still holding on to that, those sheeny, shiny teeth. And I've never had such an influx of people, not only that are fans of mine, but people that have never heard of me before that have been referred to me very recently. And people that I went to school with that I didn't even really know, some that I didn't even remember in school at all, going back 30 years into high school and grade school and, and junior high, et cetera, and grammar school, uh, who are saying that they're having issues with so much stuff popping up right now and relationships completely shattering and falling apart and suicide coming up and these different things. A lot of it has to do with sexuality, whether they realize that or not. Sex, no, it's all pornography, right? No, and uh, it's quite unfortunate, I will say, actually, um, that I'm pulling a little quote over here that I've got sitting here that I'm gonna be quoting from in a second. Um, it, it really is, and I can hear my dog barking outside. I'm not stopping, even though she's barking. Um, uh, it really is the last true frontier of spirituality, is sacred sexuality, and it's the thing that most people won't touch. Our mentors, most of them, can't do this for us. The reason is because they've got their own program and they haven't even processed. Um, people that I consider great spiritual teachers on many levels um, just they, they can't do it. They're not able to do it. They still think as an example that a woman's nipple is, is shouldn't be seen and is shameful. And someone taking a photo that exudes a sexuality is somehow a bad thing and, and uh, automatically pornography. So that, that aspect of shaming us around our sexual na natures 
uh, and popping that frequency node, that frequency pattern of shame, guilt, and fear also, uh, has become something that uh, it's, it's sort of like a, an unconscious trump card that's constantly being played. And the thing about that is uh, that whole idea of what's called the pinnacle of the temple, I've talked about it in gazillions of my programs, uh, the pinnacle of the temple doesn't mean Jesus climbing to the top of a brick tower. I know that's cute in theology. Uh, that's a very common ancient Gnostic idiom that means the opening of the energy body. Now, the energy body, this, the haikla in Aramaic, chaya, life, conscious life energy, the gathering of conscious life energy. When the energy body opens in those catalytic situations, whether they be in sexuality, or, uh, of ecstasy, um, of overwhelm, of extreme sadness, extreme trauma, what happens in those cases is the energy body opens. And all of these different frequencies that are in there that may not necessarily be sounding so loudly. I've got a nice little um, chime that I use here in a lot of my talks lately. Nice little wood ch woodstock chime. So it's like for years, we've had these nice, crystalline, angelic, sort of new agey vibrations and frequencies that are moving about. And it was so great. We had our head in the clouds and we were enlightened masters and we were meditators and doing yoga, which is all beautiful, except maybe that uh, addiction to being enlightened uh, as if it's some kind of a destination rather than just simply to be awake now in the moment, that ripeness. Uh, but after these frequencies resounding like that and for millennia, uh, kind of like an orchestra, the great cosmic orchestra that's tuning up. As an orchestra is tuning up, it's not really overly important. Uh, even at a low amplitude in music, it's, it's, it's not that important that the string section, some of the violins may be a few cents off from each other. But as the energy body of the cosmos, as the temple of life itself begins opening, and all of a sudden, all of these frequencies begin to resonate uh, in the words of Father Thomas Berry, the earth was once molten lava and now it is singing opera. As the temple of the one begins to resonate like that and the, the temple opens up, we get to the pinnacle, that peak, kind of like blowing up a balloon and you get to that point where it feels as if it's going to burst. All of a sudden these cute frequencies like that have become... And these really intense frequencies, now it's the same frequencies. It's the same frequencies that were there before, but now that the energy body is open, the temple is at the pinnacle, which it literally feels, don't tell me you don't feel as if you're about to burst on one level or another, from ecstatic joy to absolute unbridled sadness and trauma right now. Uh, if you're not, then you're just not connected. The, the atonement isn't happening. The at one man is not happening. You know, you're just shut off. And when you get obsessed with like positive, 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 masculine, ah, see my shiny teeth, you're not able to feel those deeper, reson the deeper resonance of those empathetic vibrations that are beginning to resound now that you haven't felt before. And all of a sudden it's absolute chaos and confusion. And this doesn't even feel like me. Where are these thoughts even coming from? Because as the energy body opens, we become much more keenly aware. And all of a sudden it is much more important that the string section is in tune, that we are calibrated to that cosmic light, to that cosmic vibration, uh, that we are calibrated as that oneness rather than all our cute thoughts and things that we're trying to do shifting what we think is our life around, realizing instead that all that is nothing but a great cosmic dream and you're watching it. Now, 
speaking of my great cosmic dream, when I was younger, um, I was repeatedly, uh, I would put this at least in the many dozens, if not hundreds of times, um, molested by a family member. And uh, usually when I get to this point, it starts getting... And what I've been doing is breath work, and I've been doing different forgiveness work to be able to remove these roots and allow the temp- my temple to recalibrate so that I can help others and be in that empathy with that. Um, but it, it's a really confusing experience when you're seven or eight years old, nine years old, and someone that you know, in your own family that you really care for is touching you in ways that... Um, are so confusing because all of a sudden you're feeling these things that you've never felt before. And there's this confusing blend, a mishmash of pleasure and in some cases pain, but definitely an intense shame and guilt and fear because you know on some level intrinsically, inherently, that this probably shouldn't be happening. Um, So... As I went later in life and I got into my teen years and later, uh, I was really confused in relationship. I still have little bits of those things here and there. Uh, And I would go from this incredible wide open energy body opening ecstasy. And then as soon as I felt raw, vulnerable and unprotected, interestingly, which is that that word madbra, midbar uh, in Aramaic, madbara, uh, as soon as I was, oh, which is also that word for desert, um, one of the words, primary words for desert. Yeshua was led by the all-embracing breath, Ruhadakudsha, into that raw, vulnerable, unprotected state of being. Um, so when my energy body would open in relationship and conversation or even in sexual experiences, uh, I would often have this intense feeling of guilt, fear, sadness, and shame. And what that would turn into uh, was often a pretty intense fit of rage because I, I'm completely unaware of the process of what was actually happening. I didn't realize that as my energy body opened and all of those resonant frequencies that were in there already programmed in as my energy body opened up, all that stuff started flying at full speed, full keel. And here we are, the car was going at 20, 30 miles an hour for decades and we were able to do our sort of, you know, cute little spiritual thing and, you know, and reading all the mainstream spiritual books, which are nice, don't usually go very far, but, um, and then all of a sudden, now that the rubber has hit the road, a lot of us, uh, even those of us that have been doing deep, intensive healing work, 2017 is my 26th year of doing intensive work. I've been studying the Bible since I was seven years old, since the year of 1979. It's in, it's in my book, Echoes of an Ancient Dream. Um, and I was doing deep, intensive biblical studies in my teens, not telling most of my friends, simply because uh, it wasn't necessarily an embarrassment. I just uh, didn't want to talk about it. It felt very personal and intimate and vulnerable to me. Um, but it's been now, I'm going into, I'm getting ready to turn 45 years old in May, and I'm 26 years in on uh, going into a lot of these processes and meditation and things along that, that, those lines. Um, and I've been teaching for most of that 26 years as well, doing breath work for uh, uh, almost a quarter of a century. Um, and it, it's just all of a sudden, all these things that I uh, had been studying and really working with for years, I'm pulling everything out of the hat to be able sometimes to get through a day. And uh, 
I could so easily just turn a blind eye and, and do that roses and sunshine, shiny teeth, sugary, white, positive, positive, masculine projection, that sort of uh, electrical arc, as opposed to that feminine. She's that magnetism which nests in upon herself. The embracing, of course, too much of the masculine becomes that jam it down the throat. It becomes, uh, you know, very pushy, so to speak. Even if it's got a big smile and it wants to push its positivity on others, uh, that over-masculinity can be quite toxic on the far end, as opposed to the far end of uh, the feminine, which is the darkness, as opposed to the light. It nests in. She's a magnetism that draws in like a womb. And if you draw in too much, of course, you get into that state of depression, and you're pulling in so much that you literally collapse, kind of like the theory of a black hole. You're kind of pulling everything in and down around you, ultra-concentrated because you're trying so much to keep it from allowing it to come out, okay? There needs to be that masculine-feminine balance. That's what adultery was in ancient Gnosticism. It was an imbalance between the masculine and the feminine, or to say that the positive is not the negative, the negative is not the positive, the light and the dark are different, or that uh, the masculine and the feminine are, are, are different things rather than one singularity or continuum. Because the Messiah and or Ra and or that open state of awakening, the presence exists right in the center point between the two, which was called the bridal chamber. And we're in the bridal chamber now. We're in the, the, the middle we are those that walk between the worlds. We are the ones who are learning to be in the balance. And I often make the analogy of going down a roller coaster and you're going down that big, huge hill and you hit around those curves and all you're doing right then, you're not able to pull out all of your great cute healing techniques and all of the workshop things that you've done and taught or received. Uh, all that matters in that moment is that you're aware of your breath, and you're able to keep the energy body open and flowing. And in the words of the Lakota, the Lakota let the wind blow through you. Um, so I got a lot of confusion going on from a young age about this. And I had other issues with uh, a, a guy, a boy in the neighborhood uh, who other stuff was happening, you know, when I got a little bit older after we moved from one place to another in southern New Jersey. And there was another that was actually... Uh, I don't know that he was in a relationship with my sister, but you know he was kind of after my sister too. And weird stuff was going on there. So here, all these years later, I've got this oddity in relationships that I had to deal with. Um, a lot of strange things, kind of like a drug addict. And I've never been a person who did drugs. Um, it's just not my thing. I don't know. Maybe I just, I, maybe I'm sort of a 100% or nothing guy. And I just know that if I go in one particular, it's nothing about being against uh, if I go in one direction or another, I tend to be 100%, and it kind of looked like a no-man's land that I wouldn't be able to sort of get back from, so I just didn't go there. I just knew on some level not to do it. Um, but in relationships, it got really confusing, and it got really hairy. And there's an example, side example, of something that happened to our son, Mikey. Um, Mikey, who's 15 years old. He's six, three and a half now. I was just this little teeny tiny skinny kid. This is going back about maybe six years. And I can't remember what grade he was in, maybe second, third grade. And he had these um, cards that he would take to school. Uh, it might've been Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Pokemon cards or both. And there was a point where his teacher at the time came up to him in class and 
pulled the cards away from him. He was playing with him. He wasn't supposed to be playing with him in class. And he really was taken aback. And he was startled and he started to cry because he wanted his cards back. And he knew he shouldn't have had him in class. So the teacher actually stood him up and said, Michael Hoffman, can you please come to the front of the room? And she walked him up to the front of the room and she said, can you turn back, turn toward the class? And he's standing there crying in front of the class, 30 kids. And she said, does everybody see Mikey laugh or crying? Okay, now I want all of you to laugh at him. Nice. So um, in this situation, all of a sudden, for many, many years, when Mikey would feel sadness, uh, there would be an anger behind that because of the guilt, the fear, and the shame that was locked in there. And it took us a while to get through a lot of that, and I think there's still some residue in there. Uh, But he's been a real brave soul navigating that as much as possible. Um, All this stuff that we haven't dealt with is now out in the open. You know, one of the things that I talk about in several of my retreats is I remember, as an example, going back to when I was in my, I guess it was in my early 20s, the first time I met Danny and Brinkley and was around Dano. And it's like, I was like, oh my God, you know, he was so open and talking about um, a lot of his temptations on the road when he'd be on the sort of spiritual circuit, you know, being a, a psycho, excuse me, Dano, I mean psychic. And he'd be, <laughs> he'd be out there uh, doing his thing. And of course, he was tempted by women. And I think he gave in a few times. Um, I've never done anything with uh, a woman on the road. But there's been times, as an example, where people are coming and they're they're coming to me and their energy body is opening and my energy body is opening. And then it gets a little bit confusing and put into that the fact that my wife, me on the far masculine end of the projection pushing out teach, teach, share, share, dumping that all out, and my wife pulling it all in, who was essentially at home with the kids most of the time, dealing with a really deep depression that's been in her family for many generations. And it's a pretty toxic stew between one who's out there in you know what I would almost call you know the illusion of heal the world mode, while another is taking so much in at home, disconnected from that, and people are throwing themselves at you. Uh, and I never did give in, but there's times, you know, there's exchanges uh, that I never should have done. And it's amazing when I started talking with other spiritual teachers and, and musicians, etc., on the New Thought Circuit, as an example, how oft, how common it was. And it's amazing because um, it's it's such chaotic, confusing territory for so many of us because we're dealing in energies that we really in most cases, weren't taught how to really process by our culture, by our family. Um, So it gets really confusing, and uh, it becomes very chaotic. And people are often looking at my wife and I going, oh my God, how is it? You know, how in God's name did you all get through all of this? How could you go through to such dark levels? And they're like, uh, you know, you, y'all must have um, be blessed, or you all must be special or something. Lesson number one in my mentoring program, you're not special. There's nothing special about you. There's nothing better about you than someone else. There's nothing that you have access to that someone else doesn't. You may have unique talents. Of course, that's awesome. You have a unique take. You all, there's absolute, you are completely unique within that oneness, which is that great oxymoron, the cosmic one, uh, the cosmic paradox. Yet, 
That doesn't make you somehow better than someone else. There is nothing special about you. You and your special relationship with Jesus or Yeshua or no matter what you want to say about that. And you start pulling people in around you as if there's something special about you rather than being able to point back at them and say, it's you. This isn't about me. It's about you. And of course, Loretta and I were throwing stuff back and forth for many years and it got really intense and it got really um, painful for both of us in so many ways because everything was being pulled out. She's also, she was also molested multiple times and she had an intensely abusive alcoholic father. I had an intensely abusive alcoholic stepfather. Uh, I thought my parents' divorce when I was five years old was my fault. You know, it's amazing the stuff you dig into. I always use the example of being a three-year-old girl who's wearing a little tutu dancing pirouettes on the living room floor when her drunken father comes home in a rage and she goes to grab the ashtray to give him because she knows that when he comes home drunk, although she doesn't know what drunk is per se, she just knows he wobbles around, he wants his ashtray and she goes to grab it and it flies across the floor and it's glass and it shatters and he completely freaks out and it doesn't even matter if he touches her, screams her down into a fetal position on the floor and she's not breathing, much like Mikey in his situations, much like me, I'm sure, in those situations of, of being, being molested, much like with Loretta in all these different situations. And we lock down because the number one way to keep, take the pot off the fire, so to speak, to keep the catalyst away is to stop breathing because now the energy body can collapse. And all those frequencies aren't sounding anymore, so you lock it in. But what happens when you lock it in is you collapse and concentrate those frequencies and you lock them into different places around the body. Welcome to what demons were in an ancient context. Some people did believe they were from outside and some were actually conscious enough like the teachings of Yeshua to realize that it's all a matter of programming. It's all echoes of your hidden past, as I say in my Aramaic Lord's Prayer translation. Uh, so this three-year-old girl is locked into the fetal position on the floor and go 30 years later and she doesn't even remember. She completely, completely forgets that three-year-old situation with her father and she's 33 years old and she's standing in front of her partner and maybe they look at her just the right way. It's just the right words. Maybe you have no, no idea what even triggered that. She's completely unconscious of this process, especially in the earlier stages of doing that inner work. Uh, and she begins to all of a sudden smell alcohol on her partner's breath and she's no longer a 33-year-old looking at her partner. She's now her th- a three-year-old looking at her father from the perspective of a three-year-old. And she's unaware of the process that she's not seeing her partner, she's seeing her father. Because that's what happens in the dream. We go through all of this when you have dreams, you know, things get a little loosey-goosey in what you're able to do and reality's kind of mishmash into each other and they're all kind of threaded together. Um, So it gets really tough at times. And right now we are the sacred cosmic orange that's being squeezed right now, all of us. We're in that, that, what I was saying, the down the roller coaster and in that intense, quick, sharp turn Uh, we have those moments now where all of a sudden it's like all you can really do is just breathe and let the wind blow through you, let these frequencies sound. Um, There's no right and wrong to these situations. It's amazing with my wife being a burlesque dancer, sacred sexuality model. Um, And it's amazing to see how some people truly have no limit in what they can process in her, her work, in her art. Uh, and there's other people that as soon as they even get the slightest hint 
all of a sudden all the blinders go up, catalyst, their energy body opens up, and all these judgmental frequencies of guilt, fear, and shame start resonating, and they're able to collapse themselves back down again. Uh, and of course, her being the catalyst, the trigger, she's at fault, right? Um, interesting, one of the things I've said in several videos is, you know, my nipple being a, from a man is okay, being on, say, social media or something. If even the slightest hint of one of Loretta's nipples shows, then it's shameful. And even people that you would consider to be conscious teachers, etc., will be sending messages saying, oh, that shouldn't be on there. Why would you be posting such suggestive photos on social media? What are you modeling for your children? Um, it's time to get over it. So let, let, let me actually read a little. This is a quote from the Magdalene Manuscript. Um, I've had this on the Sacred Fire of Ecstasy retreats that Loretta and I have been doing um, for the past, uh, I guess it's been about a year and a half now. Um, this has been one of the central core quotes from that. This is from Tom Kenyon. It's channeled. Oh, no, it's channeled. People say, I can't read the Course in Miracles, be a Course in Miracles because it's channeled. I'm like, you better put your Bible down then if you don't want to read channeled material. It's time to wake up, y'all. Let's grow up a little. So the central key, and this is uh, Magdalene speaking, the central key in this journey is the strengthening of the ka, the energy body, through ecstatic states of consciousness, whether self-generated or created through the ecstasy of sex does not inherently matter. Those are fighting words alone for a lot of people. It doesn't matter if it's through sex or something else. The energy body, the ka, haikla in Aramaic, ka in Egyptian, is nurtured and potentized by ecstatic states, the opening, the pinnacle of the temple, regardless of their source. On the contrary, shame is a poison to the ka body a toxic element that decreases its vitality and potency. I, an initiate of ISIS, find it tragic that the church has shamed women and men around their sexual natures and closed a door on one of the most direct paths to God realization. Whatever you do along this path, my advice is to free yourself of all shame. Search out the catacombs of your own mind and heart. Seek out the dark places in yourself where shame resides and remove it. Find every opportunity to create ecstasy, to open the energy body. For it strengthens you and potentizes the ka, the energy body. May the obstacles to your flight be few and the blessings along your journey be many. That's a pretty deep quote. Um, one, I think one of the reasons why I know that one of the reasons why true, authentic, balanced, Sacred sexuality is the last great frontier of human spirituality, if you could call it that, um, is because it can be so completely misused. And it's also the most incredibly misjudged. Uh, I've met plenty of wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, and it's like kind of like when you're playing with that kind of ecstatic fire, um, it's not easy in a lot of cases to navigate. You really have to be on your game. You got to be totally on your A game and your energy body's got to be open and your breath has to be moving. Um, I've seen, like I said, numerous multiple mentors prior to me collapse down and they just can't do it. And that's okay. We are literally the ones we've been waiting for. This is for us. This is for us what's happening right now. We're here. We were literally put here to do this, to navigate this. Um, the younger ones that come to me, they're wide open. 
And of course, a lot of the older ones will say, oh, they're corrupt, they're broken, whatever. They're not broken. They're just unfiltered. And a lot of those people that have been putting on that sheeny, shiny mask and that cute, you know, happy, positive spirituality, they're not able to handle somebody that's completely unfiltered. It's one of the reasons why, just in, in, in complete clarity, why I don't do as many of the new thought churches anymore, especially like Sunday services. I do do some. Uh, I do them because I enjoy it. I still like it. Uh, but there's a lot of subjects I can't hit. And doing two hours, two hours, two hours in all these different places, it just, uh, it doesn't work anymore. And if you're doing that for, you know, I've been doing that for 10 years nonstop, full time. I've been doing that on and off for 26 years now. Um, When you're doing that and you're jumping like that two hours, two hours, and you're still doing similar subjects to what you were doing a few years ago, there's no evolution, there's no growth. Um, Something's wrong, you know, we need to be open now more than ever. There's not a crystallization of what we're teaching so that it becomes safe and clear and easy, easily palatable for others. Uh, that's a toxic, uh, dangerous thing because then, as my dear friend Albert Lachance would say, those ideologies, those teachings boil down and harden and become a barrier for the transmission of consciousness for that, that empathetic outpicturing uh, it's not as romantic, but I love outgassing or emanation of that divine light. They block that because you're so sure. And then you become a person who's having a relationship with a concept. Now, this is exactly what happens with sexuality. You're having a relationship with someone you love dearly, and yet you're still feeling the resonance of things that happened to you when you were younger. Um, I went through decades of just absolute confusion. It's only been within the last few years that Loretta and I working together uh, had been able to really navigate and start moving through these deeper, sacred, painful wounds uh, in our relationship and in our relationship with the world and the dream that we're in. Um, as I said, you know, I've had temptations and I've given into certain aspects of temptations. Never, I've never done something, um, you know, how would you even put it, you know, home base or whatever. And it's, it's never even gone beyond usually little bits of texting here and there. And it's like, you get off on that. Nobody wants to talk about this. You know, it's time to talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about this because they all want to have their sheeny mask. It's time to drop the mask. But you talk about that and there is a little bit of buzz in that and it starts to, there it comes. Here comes the opening of the energy body and that actually could be a, not that you want to necessarily go and do that, but what I'm saying is anytime the energy body opens is a potential uh, gift for awakening through forgiveness, through removing the root of my suffering. Not forgiving somebody else, or as some people say, give to give for, you know, that's all just semantic things that aren't actually true. Um, it's cute, nice little platitudes, but forgiveness, shabuk in Aramaic, is literally to remove the root of my suffering, to cancel, to leave, to untie. So anytime the energy body opens and you're in that, that state, whatever it may be, you have that opportunity for healing whenever you're in the bridal chamber, and it doesn't have to be you and another person. Um, Pornography, you know, here's a, a amazing copy of Time Magazine, porn. Why young men who grew up with internet porn become are becoming advocates for turning it off. Um, it's amazing because, you know, with all of the widespread pornography on the internet, when someone does actually come and they're doing true, authentic 
sacred sexuality modeling, something like my wife and there's others that she works with, uh, it's amazing. It just pushes people's buttons. They're like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. That's porn, that's sexuality. And people come up to her all the time on the road and say, look, you know, I've misjudged you because I saw a picture of you wearing a short, short skirt uh, and you had fishnet stockings on and your, your breasts were pushed up and a little bit of the back of your back end was showing and it totally and completely freaked me out. I was like, there's, there's no way. This, this, she's got to be some kind of a slut, which is an amazing thing because that's the last word anybody who knows Loretta would ever, would ever even allow to come out of their mouth. But she just radiates this incredible light that is absolutely indescribable um, and it has nothing to do with what she's wearing or not wearing. It has to do with not even her smile. What I'm saying is with Loretta's work as an example, people aren't seeing her, they're seeing their concepts. They're seeing she's the catalyst, their energy body opens up, and they're not actually having a relationship with Loretta in most cases. They're having a relationship with their own BS and their own belief systems and all of the frames and conditioning and the frequency patterns that are in their system. So here's this catalyst that's... Loretta has this amazing capacity to look so incredibly innocent even in the deep, fiery sparkle of her sexuality. She just is able to do that because she is innocent. And you know what? So are you. Regardless of anything you've ever done, you're not guilty. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. It's amazing that um, how deep we are at each other's throats when the only thing that we really need to be doing is taking care of our own yard, so to speak. Um, Loretta and I have gone into this deep, sacred space of our relationship because we literally rolled our sleeves up and got to work. And we've got people see us out and about and they talk about how we're on opposite ends of a room and there's 300 people in the room and yet somehow we're always aware of where the other one is and people that are you know, mediums or have that energy capacity, of course, like many of us do, uh, they can watch that taffying energy, that relationship that's going on in the bridal chamber that's like up in the center of the room that's just sparking and popping and ooh, that dynamo of energy. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's one of the most deeply honoring things so that we've got the, the porn industry and we've got all these different things. We've got on one end, we've got porn. On the other end, we've got the church and the culture and supposed enlightened teachers shaming women and shaming men about their sexuality. And all of a sudden, how much more androgynous could it become than losing David Bowie and Prince in the same year, last year in 2016? How much more symbolic can it be to realize that the masculine and the feminine are not two different things, that it's all about that balance. It's all about the balance between the two. Um, another great quote here that I'm going to give you, this is from Gabs, from Gabrielle Roth, who's someone that when I was 19, uh, she was a mentor to me, which is one of the reasons I've started mentoring now is going back to Gabrielle and, and Marianne and uh, Wayne especially was a big one for me. And those people that I worked with, um, some just in their work and on a personal level, but also one-on-one, such as Gabrielle, she wrote this in Maps to Ecstasy, Teachings of an Urban Shaman. The five rhythms came out of this. When joy does come, it should be celebrated, although many of us are embarrassed by spontaneous bursts of elation. It's not that we think there's something wrong with being joyful, 
but that we have a notion that it's not cool or sophisticated to be too joyful or too openly emotional or too overtly sexual, allow me to add, because I know she would say that too. She bristled. Uh, Gab's was a trip. We're often as uncomfortable about having hearts as we are about having bodies. When we experience moments of ecstasy in play, in stillness, in art, in sex, they come not as an exception, as an accident, but as a taste of what life is meant to be. Why shouldn't we be able to live more and more in ecstasy? If we have the courage to venture out of inertia and imitation into intuition and imagination, ecstasy is an ideal, a goal, but it can be the expectation of every day. Those times when we're grounded in our body, pure in our heart, clear in our mind, and rooted in our soul, and suffused with the spirit of life are our birthright. Hmm. But yet when we feel those moments of ecstasy or joy, how many people can actually allow, everybody loves those people that are sort of the Odie effect, Odie and Garfield, that's like always positive. I've got several friends, I won't name them, who were like that, who just seem to always be kinetically positive. And it's, it's a beautiful, awesome blessing and gift. And then there's those of us that are much more, um, I don't want to say balanced per se, um, but I'm much more sort of wide, I guess you could say, that uh, I'm more willing to look at deeper aspects of different sides of an equation. And sometimes that takes me deep enough into the darkness like with sexuality, that stuff that we don't process. And I'm out there in, like I say, that projected heal the world mode and people are throwing, you know, women are throwing themselves at me and it gets confusing. And, you know, I know that at home is my wife and it seems like she's not interested in me, but what it really is is actually depression, acute depression, which is even more so. And she's got her own sexuality issues and I have depression issues. And people think I'm this like, extrovert or something people always like people that went to school with me back in the um back in gosh back in the 80s are always like oh dale well he was we always said dale was passionate which means a little bit high strung i think is what that means but i was always very much kind of flying by the seat of my pants wide open again why i didn't do drugs um but here we are now and all this stuff is just dumping out. Pandora's box is open and we weren't taught how to deal with this and people are pointing fingers, it's your fault, it's your fault and you did this to me and you did that to them. And you know what? Anything you're experiencing, you're experiencing it. This is part of your grand divine experience. This is school. This is what life is all about. You're seeing it in a dream so that you can be able to transcend, not only transcend that dream, and you can rescript and rewrite the dream. That's nice and it's cute. But understand, that doesn't take care of the things that were there in your past, okay? People, well, science says that you can actually change the past. That's kind of an interesting thought. But changing, it's one thing. Being able to actually get in there and heal it and literally remove the root of what's there to be able to empathetically help others do the same, that's something else entirely. It's not about just going in there and cutting and pasting things like you do with a computer, but actually being able to go into the deepest depths and levels of how far into those places of our psyche, which is the word soul, uh, how far and deep we can get in there, down and around in the corners and the shadows to be able to come back and help others through that cave, you know, in the sense of Plato, so to speak, Plato's Republic. But what I'm saying again is the rubber has hit the road. Uh, There's no amount of cute reconditioning of your mind that's going to help you right now. Not really. 
all of those cute dreams and you went and you spent decades creating the perfect life, quote unquote, and all the great values and conditions and it's all nice. But you know what's happening lately? All these people are coming to me saying, oh my God, all those cute little things that they created in the 90s or the the, the, the early part of the new millennium, all of a sudden it's been crushed into a powder before their eyes as these cosmic waves that to us feel like massive typhoons, cyclones, tornadoes, hurricanes, but in the cosmic sense are just like a little, little flicker of the cosmic pinky as if it has one. Uh, To us, it's a big deal, but it's just a temporal fluctuation in that, that awareness that is, there's two ways to process this. Number one, when these waves are coming through, if you allow your energy body to be open through that catalyst, And again, stay aware of your breath. Let the wind blow through you. You will literally, you don't have to change or fix your life. You already are whole and complete, okay? It's nothing you have to make. You don't have to make or build a perfect life. If you simply allow your heart to be open and allow your breath to continually be in movement, you will literally be recalibrated and or retuned to that cosmic vibration. Your teeth are an antenna for the cosmic vibration. Your your skeletal system uh, your, the movement of your breath, the beat of your heart, your lungs, the rising and falling of your lungs and all these different physical systems, the electromagnetic and electrical systems in your body, all of this and the magnetism, it's all antennae for the cosmic vibration because you are that one. It's difficult now because we're having to deal with things that we haven't processed before. Trust me, if you're a spiritual teacher and you think you've done awful things or you're a person and you think you've done the awful things you did to your sister, your mother, your stepfather, you thought this was this or that was that or the things you did behind this person's back or behind that person's back, you think you destroyed this one's life or that one's life, let it go, okay? It's all happening on the level of the dream. It doesn't mean everything you've done is completely great and you're proud of everything, but regret will get you nowhere except moving in reverse, okay? It's time to be open. It's time to be authentic. Now, what Loretta and I are doing, she's starting to move much more deeply into uh, my work with me. And it's been a combination of me for a long time. There was years that I probably overlooked the power and the magnitude of her light and her contribution to this. And I realize it's not so much Dale 95% and Loretta there on the sidelines, but rather this is a 50-50 because it's the only way it actually functions is in an absolute balance. And it's an interesting thing. It doesn't necessarily mean she's going to be talking 50% of the time, but her energy and light is there. And I, I lean on her. And then those moments when I'm flying high one moment and then in the next moment, it feels like everything's falling apart. She's always there. Um, our relationship has moved into places that... Uh, I almost can't even possibly imagine. And I'm reminded through her modeling by literally hundreds of men on a daily basis and women, actually quite a few, who are awake enough and mature enough spiritually, uh, conscious enough, reminding me just how um, lucky I am. Not that I believe in luck per se. Uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I'm not sure how that works in with relationship in this process per se, but Loretta and I are doing a revamped Sacred Fire of Ecstasy retreat, and we're going deeper into uh, relationships. We're gonna we're working on another relationship uh, workshop uh, retreat. We're not doing too many of the two-hour things anymore, not so much. It's all falling away. Uh, we've got c- retreats that are stirring up. Well, I've got the Urban Mystic Retreat with Brian Pergrossi and John Stringer, soul brothers of mine here in Asheville in the beginning of April. 
uh, but we've got ecstasy retreats in Kansas City uh, in June. We've got Slovenia in Europe. We're working with Limerick, Ireland, Ireland later in the year. Um, different places all around the country, Toronto, Canada, probably midsummer that looks like. Uh, because we want to be able to go and work with the people that are willing to go deeper. And maybe you don't wanna, you're not able to do a mentoring program every week or every other week or whatever. Uh, but you want to be able to come, you and your partner, or even just you alone, and to be able to come with us. Because the thing in these retreats is we, we create an absolute space of safety that allows everything out. And I dump out a lot of my stuff right in the beginning. I tell you a lot of the stuff that I've done that's despicable and awful, the things that I've done behind my wife's back, the way that I, you know, whatever, texted that one or, you know, messaged that one. Uh, And it's amazing how when you just let out those parts of yourself, it's like when you allow yourself to be who you are, then who you are not is allowed to fall away. And it's the key to all of this. It's the key to the awakening. It's the key to why we're here. It's the key to ecstasy, is being open and to be authentic. And what we do in these retreats is we work with intensive toning, incredible intensive breath work that I've been doing for a quarter of a century now. I've been doing breath work. Well, this is the 23rd year. 2017 is the 20, excuse me, the 24th year. This is the 24th year that I've been doing. Um, 2017, go back to that 24th year that I've been doing breath work. And I was doing it for several years before I was even trained in one particular method, which is still point breathing, which really came out of rebirthing. And it's pretty much exactly the same technique as rebirthing, which is also the same technique as zero point breathing, which is the same technique, uh, very similar to what Yogananda or St. Teresa of Avila were doing. And there's all these different names and the breath work seems to be everywhere. And there's a lot of newbies doing it. But look, Loretta and I have been doing that breath work for two decades. I've been doing it for two and a half almost now. Um... There's a lot of things that can happen and we were able to get into the energy system. We have things called expression circles where uh, we go around the room with whoever's ready to speak. There's an altar in the center of the room and you pick up a sacred object. It's generally a crystal and you take it back, sit in your seat and then you've got the floor and you can talk about whatever you want to and let out whatever. The first couple days it's nice, but by the third day it's amazing the stuff that's coming out. And the sharing circle we do... um, at the end of the retreat where you give something away that you want to release or let go of in your life and someone else gets it. It's amazing the stuff that happens. Uh, but the core of these retreats is the removal and recalibration of shame and guilt and fear. Shame in particular, though, is that one node that church has programmed into us that has programmed into us for the longest time and if someone shows a little too much skin or a man, uh, there's nothing, I'll tell you this, more intensely terrifying to an over-masculinized male energy. And that doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. Um, masculine and feminine is not about innies and outies. We've got to grow up beyond that one. It doesn't have anything to do with what's, what you think is physical because physical is not real anyway. That's the dream. Um, talking about essence or points of entry here, awareness. And someone that's maybe a, a little bit too flamboyantly gay or too, uh, too flamboyantly or, or too erotically sexual. And it's amazing how if someone has that and all that the church or someone that's in that judgmental mode has to do is just pop that frequency of shame, hit it the right way, and the energy body collapses. And that's how we've kept people down for thousands of years, through religion, through uh, religious indoctrination, through cultural conditioning. 
And a lot of people don't realize it. Women that look at other women and say, oh no, your breasts shouldn't be showing that much. You don't even realize that came from men thousands of years ago and you just picked it up and you think that's the way it is. Uh, Seen and not heard, meekness, doormat. Guess what? You know what? If there's anything that Red and I are doing right now, it's gathering all of these people together. We're regathering the tribe. We're pulling all of us together. If you feel you may be in the tribe, you're probably in the tribe, okay? And it's a self-elected process. And I think a lot of us, not I think, I know that a lot of us have been together numerous lifetimes before. Loretta and I have been father, mother, brother, sister a lot, lovers. That's why we look so much alike. Um, Well, her beard's not quite as thick as mine. But um, it's just what I'm saying is, the sexual addiction and all of the things that we just haven't wanted to look at because nobody seems to want to talk about. You know what? It's time. It's already out all over the floor. Everything that you've ever tried to hide is out, okay? And the only place of vulnerability that can work against you is the place where you're trying to keep something locked down and keep frequencies, frequency patterns from resonating. If you allow your energy body to open, let the wind blow through you, keep your breath moving, keep your heart open, and stay in that empathetic vibration, you can actually become an inspiration for others by allowing yourself to admit, hey, I'm not perfect, and I really have, excuse me, fucked up a lot in my life, and I've done awful things to the people that love me the most, and I've turned my back on the people that never let me down. But you know what? We're here now. We're in the center of this. We're in the middle of this. And as 27, I'm saying this, you know, 2017 will already be here when you see this, but as 2017 comes up in about, what, two and a half weeks, um, we got Christmas to go through. We got New Year's. As 2017 comes in, which isn't the same in every culture, 2017 doesn't exist in a lot of cultures around the world. This new year doesn't exist at this point in time either in most cultures. Um, But as that happens, let's make it a catalyst. Let's make it a a moment for personal resurrection, letting go of that idea that you need to be sacrificed like the lamb on some aspect and allow yourself to rise like a phoenix from the ashes and rise like a phoenix out of that fire. Because understand, there's no such thing as the fire of hell. There's only the light of God, okay? What we call the fire of hell is our fear and misjudging uh, false evidence appearing real. Fear is literally just the resonance of so many things in the present moment that we're not able to actually allow them to resonate. We try to lock them down. That's called fear. That's what that, that vulnerability comes from. Um, all that is is as all of these energies are opening up in a new year, it allows us to be able to to rebirth through that, knowing that we're literally misjudging the light of the oneness of God, the only true light, as the fire of hell, because we're resisting the process of the recalibration. We're resisting the process of ecstasy awakening us to our true, balanced, open state of being, okay? You already are complete. You already are whole. You already are what you are looking for. What you seek is seeking you. There's nothing you've done that somehow makes you less of a person than the one beside you, okay? Nothing, nothing. We are literally the ones we have been waiting for and we are the light of life itself. We were put here right now, right here in this moment, to do this great work. This is, as Thomas Berry would also say, this is our great work. We were put here for this. 
okay? So if you're interested as an example in the mentoring process, go to the mentoring page. Well, go to, um, I believe it's personal sessions on my website. Go to mentoring, look at private sessions, whatever. If you're interested in bringing Loretta and I in for a retreat, anywhere in the world, all we've got to do, and this is our commitment to you this year, so long as we can get our... Um, as long as we can get our expenses, base expenses paid, and that would be, of course, round-trip airfare for her and I, plus while we're there, a place to stay, food, and um, that we're driven around. We've got transportation while we're there. As long as these, these, these needs are met for us, the transportation to and from there, which is the airfare generally, uh, we've got a place to stay. You know, We have the food that we need, and we're being transported wherever we need to go. If you can take care of that for us, find a way, get sponsors, um, uh, pre-sell uh, uh, people's spaces in a retreat. Let's get the retreat on the calendar. If you can take care of our base expenses, in 2017, we commit to be there with you. And this is a big thing for me. It feels freaking terrifying because we, I've, never, I've never fully been prosperous in doing this unless I, was, unless I was out on the road away from my family for weeks at a time. So I came back in in late 2016, and all of a sudden, financially, everything started collapsing upon itself. And we had several retreats that were being canceled because of various different factors, and everything started collapsing. And financially, went into the biggest hole we've ever been in our lives. We just uh, scraped through the most intense October, November that we've ever had. Here we are just starting December, and it's like, I mean, things are interesting. Christmas is coming. I, I should be talking about that past tense, but I mean... Um, I'm just saying that if you commit to get us there and take care of our airfare and accommodations and food, and we can stay with people, we'll work that whole out, and transportation to and from, and help us promote these retreats. Um, not only will you attend that retreat free of charge, whoever the mastermind is of this, um, but also as soon as we have those needs met, we will commit to be there. Okay, and that includes expenses for rental of spaces or venues or something like that. My commitment to you is that if you support us being there, we will support you with this great work. And I'm telling you, um, it's never been more timely than it is right now uh, for us to come together and allow this stuff that's plagued us and our relationships for so long to just come out and breathe and air all the stuff that we feel shame about and all these things that probably never should have happened on some level whether it was done to us or something that we think that we did to someone else it's just time to let it go and to be in this eternal light uh, because we are literally the ones that are here that walk between the worlds of the seen and the unseen, and we're here to help others navigate this. And if we're locked up in the middle of our own junk that we're not willing to let go of, then we can't do that, okay? Don't let shame bring you down. If you really need help, reach out. Not only do we have the mentoring and the personal sessions, uh, but we can we would love to do retreats and maybe we'll do something even beyond the normal two and a half, three day retreat that we do wherever you are on this planet, at least at this point. Um, and you can commit to helping us get to where you are and you can help gather, you know, one or two or three or four dozen bodies together, however many, uh, and we can get the expenses taken care of my commitment and Loretta's commitment to you is that we will be there. And as soon as those needs are met, regardless of no more people sign up, we're there, okay? 
support the work that we're doing and we will absolutely do everything we can to support you. And then let's, let's advertise Lighting Rack. Let's advertise this and um, get it out there. Maybe we can actually make a profit because if we make a great profit, then we can make a great profit like Jesus, different kind of profit. But uh, if we make a great profit, then we can come back even more so. Uh, and we'll do a free talks and, and things like that, and, or at least inexpensive. I don't know about free per se, but an inexpensive talk so that the public can find out what we're doing while we're there too and maybe thread in some other places. So um, from the deepest, most humble, open, and vulnerable space that I can possibly offer to you, thank you so much for all of your support of our work. Um, we're getting ready to enter in a new, into a new year. And I believe it's going to be beautiful and amazing. 2016 was a real mofo in a lot of ways. And people can candy coat it all they want. But it's been an interesting year. Uh, I'm looking forward to letting it slide by in its symbolic sense. And I'm looking forward to this new year coming up. So um, above all else, the thing to remember the most, if you forget everything that I've just said, just be aware of your breath and allow yourself to be open. Let the wind blow through you because you already are what you're looking for. What you're looking for is what is looking. You are healthy, whole, complete. You're prosperous. You're abundant. Okay? It's time for us to live it. Blessings to the deepest, deepest spaces of your soul. I love you. Let's pull this vulnerability out. Let's start bringing these relationships back together. Let's start strengthening them and let's be more authentic and honest in all of our interactions with others. Again, there's nothing that you've done that you should feel shame about. Nothing, okay? You already are that beautiful, cosmic, divine, enlightened being. You are the oneness. So let's start living it. We are the ones. Benuhra, light to you. Many blessings, amen, and so it is. Namaste. For more information about Thale's work, including writings, audio, video, Thale's current appearance schedule, to schedule Thale for an appearance in your area, or to join the Aramaic Healing Circle email list, please visit www.daleallenhoffman.com. Thank you for listening and for your support of Dale's work.